Welcome to Level Up, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and the faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We will explore the many adversity that each one of us experience and share our story to inspire and inform. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. This is your host, Dr. Leland from Level Up. Today, I have a special guest, my partner in crime, Chris Page. Dr. Page, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Dr. Chris Page, and it's so nice to be Level Up, CJ. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I uh, grew up back in New Jersey in a family of seven, and uh, you know, we played baseball and football. As a nine-year-old kid, I came home from school, and my mom said, I found a new job. You're going to start delivering newspapers. And by the time I was 10, I had three jobs and was developing a work ethic. And that was just one significant you know, trajectory in my life. Uh, when I was 13, I was in an accident, and my shirt caught fire from the kitchen stove. And I spent 30 days in a strict isolation burn unit. Um, but the flip side of it, if there was one, was that I had a lot of time to think and dream. And uh, you know, from that, I, I came from a musical family and I begged my mother while I was in there to let us take electric guitar lessons. And at 14 years old, we picked up these things. We didn't know how to hold them, but we knew that we knew that if we spent an hour focused, we could deliver our newspapers from beginning to end. And then we said, after that, we'll pick up the instruments, we'll practice the instruments for an hour, and then we'll learn if we do that every day. And I, mean, I, I learned the power of the hour and that you know, for a good hour a day, if you're really committed, you can change your life. And uh, that did, that launched the interest of a music career. Uh, I wanted to, I got into Rutgers University as a music major, uh, but after a year, I followed my twin brother out to San Francisco, which just sounded like the coolest thing in the whole world. And so I did, and I came out, and, um, I, you know, I started working now because I had to pay rent, and I was working full-time and trying to pursue music, and I did not go back to college until I was 30. And when I did... It was a very different experience than feeling as a necessary evil when I was younger. Now I knew its importance. And uh, I also liked it. I loved writing the papers and I loved giving the speeches and I loved meeting with the team. It was like a new family. And we were all excited because we were ambitious and we were pursuing degrees. And uh, it, it did a lot for my self-confidence over time. It, it did a lot for helping me to collaborate with others. And eventually, when I graduated, I was hired by the school. And next thing, I was signing up papers to start a master's degree. And after that was finished, I was seen giving a speech and asked to join the faculty. And uh, I, never, I never asked for any of this, but... Um, I'm sure glad it happened because it turned out to be a real terrific career and a calling. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I can feel that. You love to help others and share your passion. I can see through that. Now, we actually met here at 24-7, but we have been 
a team lead, right, for SNHU, which I was kind of shocked to actually found out. So that's kind of amazing. But yeah, as a cool. leader in your space, what traits and skills do you feel are most important to becoming a leader? Well, there are different kinds of leaders. And uh, eventually you can simplify and say that anyone that has followed, you can call a leader. Um, doesn't mean that they're taking someone away from a ditch. But uh, my, my style has always been to, you know, shine a light. You know, those that see the light will come and follow. And that's really been my leadership trait. So, you know, as a result, I've worked with different kinds of people. And they were, the, you know, the commanders and the followers and the different styles. Uh, in that, uh, I still try to keep true, lead by example, shine a light, and not only with others to follow with ideas in the workplace, you know, administratively in leadership roles, that if they, you know, other leaders see something good and they see the light, they'll follow. And I do that with my classes a lot. And I think students really gravitate to that because they come looking for it anyway. And when they see that someone can help them with something and, and then when I see that light go on with them, that is where it really gets to be the best part of the job. And so, that's how I lead. Ah, so how does leadership look like to you, let's say for... Well, in our classroom, like, what does that look like to you as a teacher and as the leader of your class? Well, it, depending on which, if you're the faculty or the student, but uh, it's it's a big responsibility to have a classroom of people in your hands who come to you really expecting to learn something that could, they're going to need in the workplace or later on in their academic endeavors. So uh, with that in mind, I'm always looking ahead that, not only what do they need today, but when they graduate, what will they need regarding this class? If I'm teaching public speaking, I'm thinking ahead, for instance, will they be giving a graduation speech? And I've had that. I've had students asked to coach me through that, uh, and uh, they've gone well. But there are some students who really aren't going to go out and make sales presentations. And you know, they may be giving presentations to other managers within their organization or 20, 30 people. And sometimes some will be doing them right through video. So there's a number of skills that I try to get them. I, I want to get them to be able to speak live to an audience, but it's also important that they learn how to do this virtually and by recording. So thinking ahead of what they'll need and then finding a good way to teach them how to do it. One that'll engage them, one that'll make them interesting. I always liked school, so I always gave all of my professors the benefit of the doubt, but I'm not expecting that for me. So I try to make it a good experience and one that they will walk away saying, you know what, it was worth it. How do you engage your students in the classroom for, let's say, an asynchronous class? For an asynchronous class, um, I'd like to start with a little story. Uh, you know, schools usually have objectives, and this is what we want to do this week. But just prior to the, the question, I, I'd like to maybe pose a story. And sometimes I'll, I'll just say, you know, today in history, you can find that this is what happened. And 20 years later, we're in a similar spot. What would you do? 
So I ask an easy question that everyone can answer, a question that can kind of mean different things to different people. And the easier, more engaging question draws them in. And once people get together and start talking, it becomes a very social experience. And uh, in the classes, uh, we've got a good respect for each other. That's usually the case. And it really uh, became an interesting experience for everybody. I like that, engaging through story and then asking open-ended questions. I like that a lot, actually. Now, as a team lead, right, how do you approach leading others? This is in, uh, this is very uh, a unique kind of leadership and really one that's right for me. Uh, this is leading other leaders. And then uh, other leaders who have different learning styles and different interests, and uh, they're all over the country. They have varying interests. Um, usually what I've done and how I've been successful with them is anytime someone's put in front of me, you're going to work with this person. I start out social and get right to, uh, hey, where are you from? What do you like? Uh, you know, football, baseball, hot dogs, pizza, what? You know? uh, and uh, because I'm trying to develop a relationship first before, you know, the conflicts and the struggles start, which they always will, not in a bad way, but it's just in a competitive marketplace. But I try to start with a, a point of interest and something that means more than results and money and earnings, uh, but relationships with people and the purpose that we have with each other. I don't think anything's an accident of people that are in front of us. I think it was planned that way. And, uh, and I treat it that way, that there's a purpose here and I don't want to let anyone down. So uh, I do my best and I develop those relationships. And then when the challenges and struggles come, then I'm in a better position to uh, work with them. And really, I'm not, I don't even have to tell them what to do because they kind of know when I'm trying to look inside you. I, I'm like a coach. Um, when you're in this situation, do you want to throw it or run it? What do you think? And uh, that, that's kind of the lead by example and the lead through coaching that seems to work well. And uh, I, I really have been fortunate to have good responses and my, all my years doing this. It's been rewarding. Yeah, I agree. I like that throwing or run it? Do you want to pass it or you want to take it, right? Like, I like that concept, actually. I think you're right. Relationship management is the key to a successful team because you can't start demanding people. You don't even know their strengths and weaknesses. So I really like that a lot. How has recent COVID-19 pandemic changed your leadership style? It really has taken it from the classroom to the laptop. So in the past when, you know, I, I was teaching a class and you know, usually it would be on ground and some online or I'm working with other faculty. Uh, there's a way to communicate in person that is a little different from communicating online. Have you discovered and your purpose uh, in life yet through that? I'm, I am discovering that my purpose keeps unfolding the more I look for it. Okay, how does your so, career illustrate that purpose? 
for some reason, I have developed relationships with professionals from all around the country and even around the globe. Uh, others that there would be no logical way of saying, you know, you're friends with this person or that person, you talk here. Why? Well, we ran into each other teaching a class 10 years ago or something like that, and he's come up. And especially now, it's a lot easier to reach people and you know, through the technology that's available to us today. And uh, my, my great reward is just seeing people that I've worked with and watching them online and following them do great things. You know, whether it's working their way up the corporate ladder or standing in front of the legislator in California, you know, demanding changes for kids with special needs and, and being successful at doing it. So that's, you know, if I had a legacy, I wouldn't necessarily be mine, but other, others that I've worked with and interacted with and, you know, left a little piece of uh, wisdom or something to inspire people that can go on forever. That was my next question. What about your career that inspires you? You know, it's really hard to tap, but uh, when I look back, I think, Probably the one thing that just keeps me going is, is really being around others. And it's, it's a, and this kind of work is that you're always getting a new audience every semester or every session, every different course. So uh, there's always a chance to start new. And uh, yeah, I kind of like that idea when there's a start and stop to some things. And um, I don't know why, but getting around other people from wherever they are, whatever their interests, work, background, parents, uh, somehow it's always a joy. And that is really what keeps them going. Wow, that's pretty amazing. What do you think leaders can do to promote success in their teams? Um, it, I, you know, I think of a quote that gets spoken of a lot, but it's that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And further, I would ask myself if my leadership role really is about them, it's not about me. So if I focus on the others and do my best for whatever I can to help them get to where my leadership says they should be, well, then I think I'm doing well. And uh, that's really you know, kind of what I was taught when I started teaching. I, one lady said to me, it was just so simple, never forget it. She said, just focus on the students. And it worked. And the, the same mentality goes with the new group of faculty that I'm going to lead and that I'm leading now and I'll get a new group and next month and a new group after that. And uh, I'm, thankfully, I just thought, well, I'll always be inspired working with others. And um, yeah, I think if I look for their well-being, they'll look for mine and then we'll all be happy. In a full circle, what kind of tips would you provide for your colleagues who's trying to say, hey, you know, what kind of specific skills should I have in order for me to become, let's say, a team lead or even a dean? Well, I would maybe start with, there's a few, I didn't know whether you'd start with them, but one would be an emotional intelligence and uh, really kind of knowing, you know, your capabilities and, you know, how your words and actions affect others. And really the 
really how to understand the well-being of others and to be able to kind of take the temperature of things in a meeting or in the hallways or in the cubicles. And with that in mind, the next one I would say is certainly communication. And it sounds overused and it sounds very easy, but communication really begins with the end in mind. And so when you communicate, it's not let my words fly and let them go where they'll go and do what they'll do. But uh, planning ahead, if, if I say this this way, you know, how it will affect my, my leaders, how it will affect their ability to take their crew where they need to be. And uh, so with the emotional intelligence, communication, empathy, and of course, vision. That's true. Now, His Holiness Dalai Lama said, change begins within you. Use compassion to change your world and ultimately our world. How do you hope to change the world? I like to think that I can educate for a better world. <laughs> and that, that, can come in, that can really come in a lot of ways. It does. Uh, some of the best advice that I got from a career was from that director who I saw this before I started teaching. She said, just focus on the students. So uh, throughout a career, I've got words and speeches and presentations and all kinds of things that went all over the corners of the globe. And I am looking for them to stick some places. And you know, when they do, uh, that's a great thing. And looking back and how can I do this all and how can I fulfill my purpose and lead others to find their purpose as well. And it's always been the same is that um, it starts from within me. And, uh, you know, it starts in the mind. And then the actions and the words and the communication follow. So if you really do things for the right reason and you understand that well and you can communicate it with vision, put the others first. Put the others in front, their well-being. And eventually I know that I'll get taken care of one way or the other. And that's really, really how I go about it. Awesome. What are you doing today that makes an impact on the lives of those around you? <laughs> um, that would hopefully, um, you know, again, my words are always having an impact, whether good or bad. I hope, I hope a little bit more good than bad, but I, I really like getting around others, other professionals. So I like the full contact collision of ideas in theory and word. And I like seeing the brilliance of this organization and the experience come together and hit heads and say, wow, well, we've got two very different ideas. What do we do now? And hear how a good organization talks through it and works their way past it and past the walls and continues to grow. And, you know, I would be excited just watching this happen, let alone being a part of it. So ultimately, I'm, I'm really very thankful for, you know, the way things have gone for me. You know, as at 13, uh, being in an accident was, um, you know, it really... It was really a tough time that I don't want to spoil the mood for, but it was also the beginning of a dream 
and uh, I initially was music and I wanted to be a music teacher and so I got to do the music and I got to teach and I still do so it couldn't be better yeah sometimes we have to die parts of ourselves have to die in order to get reborn right just like the phoenix you die and you bright shinier every time and I feel like Every day, every time we change something, part of us die, really, and get reborn in something else new from learning and from listening and from taking from other people. So I really love that. Now, I wanted to ask you any last inspirational thought, viewpoints that you would love for our listeners to know. Some just very, very simple lessons I share with my students, and I keep saying them all the time, so I know they're getting through, and I'll share the same, is that they're just some universal laws that we live under, and sowing and reaping is one of them. So just as we were talking about as something dies, you take a seed that has so much, and then it, you know, it, you put it in the ground, and it, it dies, and then it has an opportunity to grow. And... You know, for the level that we put in and we work on sowing good things, uh, we'll eventually reap in good time. And that's a universal law. And uh, it's a good thing to keep in mind. So sow good seeds and um, you'll reap eventually. That's, that's right. a great way, huh? Yeah, we, level up. Yeah, we reap what we sow. That's for sure. Um, and I like that giving good vibes out there giving I like also your thought points of you need to take care of others so that eventually they'll actually just take care of you in full circle. And I think that's just such a selfless act that more people need to do. A lot of us are very self preserve like oh it's myself my you know it's not necessarily self-absorb but more of like social conditioning that you first before anything else and i think in eastern culture is all about the community right rather than self and i like yeah. that idea because that's how i grew up it's we take care of our family within the community even if they're not blood even if they're the neighbor, right? You become family. And when we take care of those people, eventually they will take care of us. And I really like that full circle thought and idea. So thank you so much for your time today. Very joy, CJ. Thank you very much, Dr. Leland. And I love the show. Level up. All right. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you want to be a guest on my podcast or have questions, email me at levelupbydocleland at gmail.com. Docleland spells D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D at gmail.com. I will see you soon in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.